for today. And I just, I love that about it. But I think one of the keys is to position ourselves to hear from God. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, I know we've prayed a couple of times already today and you're like, if you're new, you're like, gosh, they pray a lot in this church. Well, it's kind of what you do in church. And so I'm going to ask you to pray again, but like 15 or 20 second prayer. It's short. And, and if you could pray something, you use your own words, something like this, something like this. Lord, speak to me today. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm pushing out the distractions. I'm, 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 my ears are open. My heart is open. And so God, will you speak to me today? How many of you would pray that prayer with me right now? Let's do it right now. Lord, we position our hearts to hear from you. We open our hearts as we're opening your word. We're believing that you're going to speak to us today, that you're going to help us. You're going to encourage us. You're going to correct us. And hey, you're going to help us today. But Lord, that right now we just position ourselves. Will you speak to me? Lord, even as I'm teaching your word, will you speak to each and every person in this room in the name of Jesus? Everyone said... Amen. I'm going to start in uh, the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 2, and uh, our my message today is titled, What We Really Need, What We Really Need out of Mark chapter 2. Let's, let's read this passage, starting in verse 1. It says this, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Jesus, uh, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you get up take up your mat and go home he got up took up his mat walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised god saying we have never seen anything like this what we really need isn't it interesting that we seem to think that we know what we need right like in in life we tend to think at, at almost any given time that we know about ourselves what we really need. I'll, I'll see if I can illustrate this um, this morning. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, and you can judge me if you want. I'm secure enough that I don't, I'm not bothered by your judgment this morning. But one of my favorite things to do is to get pedicures, all right? Any any man in the house that you're, bo- you're bold enough to say that you like getting pedicures? Come on. I know I'm, come on. I, I got like one or two. It's all right. I'm going to, I'm going to change your mind. All right. Pedicures are amazing. All right. And so a couple of weeks ago, I went to get a pedicure uh, with my associate pastor Clyde. Clyde's a big dude, all right? I mean, 300 pound, like he walks in and, they're, and they look at him and they're like, we're going to have to get the grinders for his toes. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. And I went with Pastor Clyde and with my friend Dan and we went to get pedicures and Clyde and Dan, they're like, they're like, they, they get like, they get the deluxe pedicure, all right? And have, have you ever gotten the deluxe pedicure? And they use, they put like the paraffin wax on your legs and they use hot rocks to massage and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. They just, 
just blah, all this stuff. I just like, I just like a regular pedicure. So I sat down in the chair. The other guys were like, we want deluxe pedicures. And they're like, the, the lady, she, she sits down. She, she, she gets my feet. She looks at my feet and she's like, honey, what you want? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I said, I just want, I just want a regular pedicure. Like just, I don't need, and she's like, your friends get deluxe. I'm like, I just need a regular pedicure. And seriously, she looks at my toes and she looks at her and she goes, she makes, she looks at my toes. She makes this noise. She goes, hmm. And she looks at, at her friend and she starts talking. She's like, and she's pointing at my toes. And I don't know what she said. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking a risk telling this story because I, I hope I'm not offending you. I'm not, okay, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, anyway, if you work in a nail salon, I hope I don't offend you. And, but this is what I think that she said. She looked at my toes and she looked at her friends and she says, she's like, he thinks he needs a regular pedicure. His toes are so bad. They are so bad. He needs deluxe pedicure. Look at his cuticles. Oh my goodness. Like, like this is what I think that she's saying, right? See, we, Lisa's gonna tell me after, I shouldn't have told that story, but it's okay, right? Was that okay? Are you alright? Alright, so, if you, hey, remember, I'm not the pastor here, so if you're offended, come back next time, and Pastor Eric is less offensive than me, I promise you. See, we tend to think that we know what we need, alright? We tend to think that we know what we need. And, and in this story, I, I find it interesting, because this story is about a, a paralyzed man and his friends, and, and they're bringing him to Jesus, and, and, and if I put myself in their shoes, then I, I think I know what they wanted, alright? I think I know that, that what they wanted was they wanted their friend, the paralyzed friend, to be healed by Jesus. You see, if you backed up, we started in Mark chapter 2, but if you back up to Mark chapter 1, you find that Jesus is going through the villages. He comes to Capernaum. And in Mark 1, 22, 32, it says, The people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered there. And watch this. It says, Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out all of the demons. And verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it's dark, Jesus got up. He left the house. He went to pray, and where he prayed, and Simon and his companions, they got up to look for him. And finally, when they found him, they said to him, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And see, I'm trying to paint a picture because in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is going through and he's healing diseases and he's casting out demons. And he's, he's, the ministry of Jesus is exploding. People are coming. And, they're, and, and, and when, when the disciples found Jesus, they, they're, they're applying some pressure because they're like, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. I mean, doesn't that sound like peer pressure? Right. It's like, Jesus, everyone, everyone's doing it. Right. Like, have you ever heard that line? Like, and they're like, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And they're applying this pressure. And we get to Mark two and we see that here's some more people who are coming. They're trying to find Jesus and they're trying to get to Jesus because they're hoping they're just they're just hoping that Jesus will heal their paralyzed friend. In other words, what what they thought they needed was for Jesus to heal their paralyzed friend. That's that's what they they thought was was if they if Jesus could only help their friend to walk again in other words that was their biggest perceived need but Jesus had a completely different idea you see if, if you read the story we just read it but if you if you're if you're watching it closely 
It's interesting because they dig a hole in the roof, and, and I've always thought this is one of those stories that I, I'm like, man, I would have loved to have been there. I mean, this would have been pretty cool. Like Jesus, I mean, imagine like right now if I'm preaching and all of a sudden we heard like a bunch of noise above us and, and, and then dust started falling from the sky. But I'm like, hey, pay attention. I'm preaching. And we kept talking. And then all of a sudden we saw like the light break through. And then this guy comes down on a mat, right? Like they're lowering him down on a mat. Hat and and and, and gee, listen, I mean, watch this. Jesus, okay, he sees that this guy's paralyzed because it says this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man. So it's not like Jesus didn't know what was going on, right? It's not like he looked at Jesus and was like, or he looked at the man and was like, well, I, I wonder, I wonder why he's here, right? I mean, he's lying on a mat, he can't get up, he's paralyzed, but he looks at the paralyzed man. The scripture says. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And I don't know if, if this strikes you the way that it strikes me, but, but if I put myself in the, in the shoes of the paralyzed man, right, then I'm thinking of this at this moment. I'm thinking, dude, I just had my friends carry me on a roof, tear a hole in the roof, lower me down into the middle of the service, and I'm paralyzed like, Jesus, I just want to walk. Why are you forgiving me of my sins? Like, all I want is to, to walk. That's all I'm, that's all I'm really wanting. And, and I just find it striking that in this moment Jesus looks at him and he says son your sins are forgiven and I think that Jesus does this because he's he's illustrating to the man as well as to us today in Santa Fe that the fact that the man couldn't walk was not his biggest problem that this was was not his biggest problem and and honestly it's probably a little bit offensive to say that I mean to to say to the about the paralyzed man the fact that you can't walk that that's not really your biggest issue but but see how often do we do this to Jesus we'll we'll try to bring it to to us today how often do we do this in our relationship with Jesus because see here here's what I think happens is that the place of our suffering is the place that we think that Jesus needs to fix right see what we're talking about is what we really need and often we have an idea about what we really need and quite often, what we think we really need is the place that we're suffering, right? Like, if we're sick, or if we have a family member that's sick, then we tend to think, well, that's the thing that Jesus needs to do, right? Like, it, that dominates our prayer time, right? We're like, oh, Jesus, if you'll just heal my brother, or if you'll heal my, my, my wife, or if you'll heal my son, or you'll heal me, or, you know, like, or if you have a financial need, right? If, if you have a bill that's coming up, and you don't have the money in the bank to pay the bill, you know, and you're starting to get those notices in the mail and you're freaking out and people are calling your phone. You're like, what, what dominates your prayer time? All of a sudden, you're like, Jesus, I need a check in the mail. Oh, come on, G- I need a raise. Jesus, this would be a great time for a bonus, right? Jesus, this would be, am I, am I, are you with me this morning? The place of our suffering tends to dictate the, the thing that we think that we need most. And so this paralyzed man, he comes down, he and his four friends, all five of them, thought that what the man needed most was for him to be healed. But Jesus looks at him, he doesn't heal him yet, now we get to it, he does heal him, but the first thing he does is he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And this helps us with something today, I want you to hear this today, Grove, is that life's biggest problem is not your suffering, but it's your sin. 
Life's biggest problem is not, and, and don't, I'm not diminishing the problem that you're facing today. The problem you're facing is very real. It, it is. But the problem you're facing is not your biggest problem. And that's why Jesus, I mean, see, he, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't want to just put a band-aid on it, right? He doesn't just want, oh, let me, let me, see, he can, he can take care of your problem. Do you believe that? He can heal the disease. He can provide for the need. He can, t- I mean, he, like, there's nothing. If you don't know this, let me just brag on my God. There's nothing that my God can't do. He has all power. He has all authority. He, there is absolutely nothing that our God cannot do. But here, here's the deal is that he's not interested in fixing the surface issues. And some of you, I'm offending you because you're like, that's not a surface issue. It's a very real issue. You know what? But the biggest, the biggest issue for all of us, not, not just for, I'm not pointing at you. The biggest issue for all of us, it's, it's our, it's the sin. It's our hearts. It's the condition of our hearts. See, Jesus, he could have fixed his legs, right? But Jesus knew that, that, that working legs were not going to satisfy the desires of his heart because he was paralyzed in his body, but he was also paralyzed in his heart. His heart was broken. I mean, the scriptures are clear that our hearts are, are deceitful, that our hearts are sinful, that, that they have a bent towards sin. Like, have you ever noticed this? Parents, you'll understand this maybe better than and single people, have you ever noticed you don't have to teach your children how to sin? Have you ever noticed that? Right? Like you, it, it comes natural, right? More natural for some of our kids than others, right? But but it comes natural. Like you don't have to tell them, right? Hey, in fact, we tell them the opposite, right? We're like, don't do this, right? What do they want to do? They want to go do it, right? I mean, sin can be weak. Why? Because we're human, and part of the human condition is we have a sinful heart. It's bent towards the world. It's bent towards sin. We want to be selfish. We want to be prideful. We want to do what we want to do. And this is why Jesus, he doesn't just fix the guy's legs. He doesn't give him, in other words, what he thinks he needs, but Jesus gives him what he knows, what Jesus knows that he really needs. You see, we, we get so wrapped up in what's happening in our lives that, that the suffering, the place of suffering, it, it overwhelms us. And I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus cares about that place. But he cares far more about what's happening in our hearts than, than what is happening around us in our circumstances. That's why Jesus, he speaks to this guy's heart, right? So I have a question for you this morning to try to make it really personal. What, what is the thing that you have wanted so desperately? Right? This guy, can you imagine that this guy's been, been paralyzed, right, for his whole life? And can you imagine, I mean, the thing he wants desperately is to walk again. And, and, and it's easy for us to sit in a church on a Sunday morning and look at the paralyzed man and, and, oh, it's a story about the guy and he wanted to walk. But so my question to you today is, what is the thing that you have wanted so desperately? You know, for some of you, you just, you just want a relationship. You're single and you're looking at the couples and you're like, man, if I just had a spouse, I would just be so much happier. And, you know, I just would saw, I just want that so bad. 
that and you and it's dominating your thoughts and it's dominating your prayers and it's do, and it's dominating your energy and you just you just want that relationship some of you you just want you just you're married but you just want a child and you're thinking man if we just if we could have a child that would just fix everything that would be awesome and it would so make me so happy and some of you you just want a new job or you want more money some of you you want a healing some of you, I mean whatever what what's the thing that you have wanted so desperately because it it clues us in because that's the thing that we think that we need the th- that place of suffering that's the thing that we think that we need so desperately but i have good news for you that jesus doesn't give us what we think that we need but he gives us what he knows that we need so i started asking this question as i read this passage i said so why why did jesus forgive the sins first why did he forgive the sins first and i think it because it it reveals something about the human heart i think it reveals to us how deep the discontentment runs in our hearts it runs so deep in our hearts the discontentment and fixed legs won't 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 solve that and a new job won't solve that and more money in the bank won't solve that and a healing won't solve that and a relationship here on earth won't solve that and i'm just that here's he does this because our discontentment is so deep that any solution that the world has to offer is too shallow to fix that. And so Jesus, he's like, I'm not interested in fixing the need first. First, I want to speak to the heart because I've got to deal with the discontentment that you're feeling in your heart. Because if I can take care of the discontentment in your heart, then I can take care of all of the other stuff that's going on in your world. Are you following this? So Jesus, he says to the man, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and I've just learned, I've learned that, that it's a good thing that Jesus doesn't always give me what I want. <laughs> I've learned that he knows best. Right? Have any of you learned that? That he knows best what we need. If you study lottery winners, right? Like, I find it interesting, like, when you see that one, you know, that one lottery winner who wins some absurd amount of money, right? Like $53 million, right? And what do we all do when we see that? We're like, man, if I could just, oh my, if I, just half of that, I mean, I would, man, I would buy the Grove a new building, and I would, man, I would, I mean, I, you know, like people in our church, every once in a while, they're like, pastor, is it okay if I gamble? And I'm like, well, you really shouldn't, but if you do, you should definitely tithe, right? Um, <clears throat> so you, but <laughs> if you study people who who win the lottery, like the big payouts, okay, 70 percent of lottery winners are bankrupt within the within the next four years and that's hard to fathom right like you're sitting here today and you're like there's no way that if i got 53 million dollars a day that i would be broke in four years right but but statistically if i if i and i can't do this i'm not going to do this but i gave everyone in the room 53 million dollars statistically 70 percent of you would be bankrupt in the next four years and why am I talking about this? Because it perfectly illustrates that the thing that we think that we need won't satisfy. 
I mean, if you were to ask the lottery winner on the day that he wins, you know, or she wins, hey, how happy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? They're a 100, right? Because all of a sudden they think, I'm satisfied. I got it made. I can do anything I want. I can buy what I want. I can go where I want. I can do what I want. I'm going on trips. I'm doing, are you fine? Right? But here, four years later, how happy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? And they're like, I'm a negative 3, right? And like, why? What changed? Well, the thing in their heart never got fixed because it was surface. The surface, here's what I'm telling you, as offensive as it might be, is that 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 place of your suffering, that's just the surface issue. I mean, it's just the thing that's happening on the surface, in your life now, in your marriage now, here on, that's just the thing that's happening here on earth, and we can't lose perspective, Grove, that we, as followers of Jesus, we're not about the life that's on this earth, it's not about here and now, it's about the kingdom of God, it's about eternity, it's about a savior that we get to spend eternity are you following are you with me this morning and this is why jesus he he doesn't just want to solve that that surface issue so if you haven't learned this lesson yet let me help you with it this morning because we look for satisfaction in things and things will leave you empty that's what one of the things i want to help you with today is that the, 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 all this, all of the solutions of the world are shallow and they ultimately leave you empty. And see, Jesus, he, 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 he every, every one of them, he speaks to the, to the greatest need, right? He speaks to the, to the need of the heart. You see, salvation changes the thing that your heart wants the most. Is that cue, my, that music, my cue to end? It's not? That's the theater? I thought that was my cue. All right, can I keep going for a few minutes? I was, I was trying. I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. All right, I'm glad I asked because I was about to give an altar call. All right, so let me... Let me see, the, the problem with the solutions of the world is that they always leave you wanting more. Have you noticed this? Like, for, I'll give you some examples. I enjoy running. Anyone else enjoy running? Anyone not enjoy running? That, it's okay. Yeah, come on. My wife's raising her hand. She's like, the only time I'm going to run is if a, if a bear is chasing me, all right? The, so if runners, you'll get this, okay? Is the problem with runners is we always want to break the last record. We always want to run further than the last race or faster than the ra- last race. Am I right, runners? Like, you run three miles and you're like, I want to run four. You run four and you want to run 17. You run 17, you want to run 50. You run, that's why, are you, right? The problem, like, for example, how about any fisherman in the house or fisherwoman in the house? Alright? The problem with fishing is that you always want more. Am I right? Like, you catch one and what, and you want two more, right? You catch a, a 12 inch, you want a 14. You catch a 14, you want an 18. You get, am I, am I right, fisher people? Right? The, the, the problem is that we, we are wired to always want more. And so, it, you know, it's money in the bank, right? Whatever you have in the bank right now, most of you wish that you had more. Am I right? How many of you wish you had more in your bank? I, I want more in my bank. The problem, right? You, you have a house, but you want a bigger one. You have a car, but you want a newer one. You have last, the last version of the iPhone, and the new one comes out, and you want the new one, right? Why? Because its pictures are that much better. You have to have it. It does nothing else, but its pictures are better. And it's like, oh, $400, come on, let me have seven of them, right? Why? Because we want more. 
The problem is that more doesn't solve the condition of our heart. More does not solve. So here's the salvation changes the thing that our heart wants the most. See, I'm not telling you that it's bad to want the thing that you want. I'm not, t- but I'm telling you that salvation, when you, when the heart is taken care of and you turn your heart over to the Lord, that it changes what your heart wants the most. David figured this out in the Bible in Psalm 27. He wrote these words. He said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To to know him more. Remember the team, we talked about this verse this morning. Oh, that I might know the Lord. Let's press to know him more. There's one more confusing thing in this story for me. So the guy comes down. He wants to be healed. Jesus doesn't give him the healing. He speaks to the condition of his heart. He forgives him of his sins. But the other confusing part of this story is this, is that the man, if go back and look at it, the man never asks Jesus to forgive him of his sins. And this is confusing because in our church culture, most of the time when someone prays a prayer of salvation, it's something like there's a guy on stage with a microphone and a band behind him. And they're like, hey, if you need a savior and you realize you have sins and we'll do this at the end and raise your hand and someone raises their hand. You're like, well, pray this prayer after me. And they lead them in a prayer and all this, you know, and there's this acknowledgement that, hey, I have sin in my heart and I need forgiveness, right? So most of you have experienced that. You've seen it. You've been a part of it. But in this story, the guy drops out of the ceiling. He's standing before Jesus, and he never asks Jesus to forgive him of his sins. Jesus just looks at him, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And I find this just wildly intriguing that the man, in fact, I just want to take a minute. I want to talk to you about grace. And the interesting part, I, I listened to last week's message by Pastor Kelly, and, and I, I just listened to it yesterday. I was already done with my message. And, and last week he preached on this idea, what's so amazing about grace? And I thought, wow, God, you're this. I love when God does this. He, he, you know, he, he's orchestrating a theme, and we're not, Eric, Kelly and I didn't talk about it. Eric didn't tell us what to preach. But I just want to talk to you for a moment about grace, because this story will jack with your theories about grace. It will jack with your ideas about grace. Because, see, I think that most Christians, we tend to have a particular view of grace. And this is what I think that we tend to believe, is that we tend to look at grace like a big fluffy pillow. Like grace is this this just kind of cloud, you know, this cloud of grace that you just, when you sin, when you trip up, you just kind of fall into, you know, we sing about it, and we're like, fall. Falling into the arms of God. God, your grace is so big and it's extravagant and it's beautiful. And I'm kind of like this floating thing. And it's like this, like if you're, you know, if you're here today and you sinned this week, it's okay because you just fell into the wonderful grace of God. And it's a pillow and it's going to catch you and it's okay. Oh, this is such a soft pillow at the grove. I'm just so thankful for the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Is anyone, have, is that how you've perceived grace before? Eric doesn't teach it that way, but you, you know, right? It's just like this, oh, it's so wonderful and oh, it's so soft. And, and this story, it just, it, it, it plays with what we think about grace because in this story, it's not like that. It's not this soft, fluffy pillow. It's, it's very, very different. In fact, in the story, what we see about grace and forgiveness is that it's aggressive. 
It's not, see, Jesus didn't wait for the guy to be convicted of his sin and to pray a sinner prayer and to raise his hand and the, the band to play the music. Jesus was like, dude, your, your heart is so full of sin. I forgive you. Right? Like Jesus just came at him, right? Like he, I mean, imagine if, as you were walking in, if I was standing at the door and like, hey, sinner, I forgive you. Hey, I forgive you. Hey, I saw it. I mean, you would be so offended. I mean, first of all, I don't have the authority, but you, you'd just be like, what kind of church is this? And this guy, they just dug a hole in the roof and they dropped him down. And Jesus, he's aggressive with his grace and his forgiveness. And see, I'll tell you, part of why I know this is because here's part of my story. I'll just tell it to you quickly. Is This is when I discovered that grace is not a big, soft, fluffy, cloudy pillow, but oftentimes it's a kick in the seat of the pants. Oftentimes his grace, it just pulls the rug out from under you. You see, his part of my story is that, that there was a time when I was living a double life. I was living in sin, but I was going to church, and I was trying to pretend and deceive everyone around me, including my family, that my, I was loving God, served God, and I was doing the right things, and we gave in the offering, and we served at our church, and we led a home group, and we did all this stuff, but I, my heart was so full of sin, and it was just deceitful, and it was ugly, and it was nasty, and I'm just so thankful that in that moment, that God didn't give me what I thought that I needed, but he gave me what he knew that I really needed, and there came a point after, I mean, time after time after time, where God gave me chance to come clean, to seek repentance and forgiveness, and finally, it was like the like God just came along. He's like, hey, Jason, that double life that you're living, I can't let you live that way any longer. So I've given you like hundreds of chances. So here's what's about to happen. I'm going to rip the rug out from under your feet and you're going to fall on your butt and it's going to hurt like heck and you're not going to like it, but it's for your own good. Right? Any of your parents ever, right before they spank you, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, right? Anyone? I made a vow to never say that, right? But that's kind of what God said to me. He's like, it's going to hurt you more than it hurts me, right? And it did. Like, it hurt. And he ripped the rug out from under my life, and everything fell apart. And, I mean, it was awful. It was horrible. It was just the worst thing ever, except that it was the best thing that ever happened and is what I needed. Even though it's not what I thought I wanted, it's what I needed. It was the grace of God. I'm so thankful that the grace of God is not passive, but the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope of God, it's aggressive. He pursues us. He comes after us, and He gives us what we actually need, not what we want. Luke 19.10, or Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to seek that. See, the grace of God, it's, it's aggressive. He comes after you. He pursues you. See, you, some of you, you thought that you were pursuing God when all the time He was pursuing you. And your heart finally just, it just came into, into alignment with what God had been doing all of those years. All of that time where God's love, His grace, and His forgiveness, they were, He was pursuing you all the time. Anyone experience the aggressive grace of God? Anyone? I'm telling you, it's so good. It's so good. It's not fun, but it's good. Do you see the difference? It's not fun when the aggressive grace... I mean, can you imagine this guy, right? In front of the whole crowd on a mat, he's called out for his sin, right? And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. If I could have the worship team join me. I don't know how y'all do it here, but um, if I could have you join me, it'll, 
help me to bring it to an end this morning. I'm thankful that that uh, God doesn't always give me what I think that I need, but he gives me what he knows <laughs> or what I want, but he gives me what I know that I need. You know, I was thinking about how that these guys, they went to great lengths to to open up the roof and carry their friend up there and and uh, all this. To, they, they went to such great lengths to try to get what they thought that they needed, right? And I'll just be honest that I'm guilty of that myself. We try often, even as believers, we try to manipulate things in order to, to get God to give us what we think that we need, <laughs> Right, we, we just we, we try to do things to to manipulate that. And a couple of weeks ago, um, we have a, a new dog in our home. He's six months old. His name's Cooper. He's just amazing, and I, I just have, I love him. I take him fishing with me, and we we just we we, we got a good little bond going on. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I came home. It was real late at night. I was super tired, and our dog was going crazy. And uh, parents, you'll understand this when when your children are acting up, they're your spouse's kids, right? And, and when our dog is acting up, it's all of a sudden it's my dog, right? And so I walked in, and, and Lisa's like, um, "Your dog is going crazy. You need to take your dog on a walk." I'm like, "It's 10:30 at night. Like, I, I don't want to take my dog for a walk, but I did. I put put the dog, the leash on the dog. And right now he's he's like 40 pounds. We don't know what he is, but he's cute. And he does this thing where, and right now it's just super cute where he, we, we put him on the leash and he turns and he takes the leash and he puts it in his mouth and he's kind of prancing around like, kind of like, I'm going to walk you instead of you walking me. And I'm like, oh, look at you, Cooper, you know. And so we go out the door and he's got a leash in his mouth and uh, we go, we start walking to our neighborhood and we get to, to a, a, an intersection and Cooper wants to go left, but I want to go straight. And so Cooper, he's got the leash in his mouth, and he and he goes, and, and he runs out of leash, and so he, he kind of pulls, and he looks at me, and he's like, you, know, you can see in his eyes, like, come on, Dad, and he pulls again, and I'm like, so I had to have a talk with my dog, and I'm like, Cooper, you're the dog, I'm the human, okay, I'm walking you, not the other way around, we're going this way, and I kind of, uh, come on, and we took off, and we went that way, and he's all, you know, floppy, and you know how puppies are, and he's all happy again, and we're going, and we come to another intersection, and the same thing happens, and he's like, come on, and I'm like, no, d- listen, Cooper, I'm the human, and you're the dog, and I'm going to tell you where to go, and you don't get to tell me where to go, you know, and we, and this kept happening on our, on our walk, anyone ever had anything like that happen, and, and it, it got to a point where, like, it, it, when I left the house, I'm like, oh, our dog's so cute, and at the end of it, I'm like, what is wrong with you dog i am the human and you are the dog and i get to tell you where to go and i wasn't yelling at him but that was what was happening in my head right and in that moment i don't know how the lord speaks to you but the holy spirit often speaks to me in these really just normal dog walking type situations right and in this moment where the dog's like i want to go this way and i'm going i want to go that way and i'm like what is wrong with you i kind of just i felt the holy spirit go to me like what is wrong with you I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, how often do you think that you know what you need and you know where to go and you know how to do it? And, you know, and I had to have a talk with God where I'm like, God, I'm a pastor. Don't you get it? 
I do know what I'm doing. Give me that leash back, right? And he's like, come on, Jason, drop a stinking leash. It'd be so much better if you just go where I'm telling you and walk where and go. Are you following me? And he's just like, oh, Jason, come on. Like, I want the best for you. But you gotta stop thinking that you know what's best for you and your family and your church and your city. In other words, he's like, I'm the human and you're the dog. Right? <laughs> Sometimes God has to call me a dog to get my attention. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you can do that when 10:30 at night is no one else is around, you know. And I'm just telling God, just He just got my attention. He got my attention. To help me to understand that he knows what we actually need, right? He knows what we actually need. And I'm just telling you what, what we need is not usually the thing, the surface, the, the thing that we think that we need. It's usually something going on in our hearts. It's sin, right? It's disobedience. It's pride. It's, it's uh, gossip, it's bitterness, it's unforgiveness. There's, there's typically something going on in our hearts, and that's, and that's what God is trying to get to. And we, we were like, God, we tore the roof open, and we're, come on, don't you see what we did to get here so you could fix this thing? And he's like, I do want to fix it, but first I want to fix your heart because it's so ugly. And he's just aggressive with that grace and that forgiveness. And I'm just so, I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so, so thankful for that. So as I prayed, as we were getting ready to come to the Grove, and, you know, every year I'm like, Eric, what do you want me to preach? And I keep hoping that he'll tell me something, you know, to preach, you know. He never does. He's like, just preach whatever God puts in your heart. And this is what God put in my heart. And I I think it's right because, you know, I think, you know, last week Kelly kind of teed up this idea of what's so amazing about grace. And this week the Holy Spirit's teaching us about the aggressive grace and forgiveness of God. And I just, I think he's, I think he's got a, a thread that he's working here through the church at the Grove. Do you believe that? So I don't know how you do it, but if, if you, so just put up with me since I'm the guest this morning. Would you just, would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I just, I want to pray with, with you and, and for you this morning. I, I, I'm going to do two things, two specific prayers. And the first one is this, is I talked a lot about the aggressive grace of God. And I, I believe that probably there are some people that are here this morning that maybe you're a guest or you've only been one or two times and you're not even sure why you're here. But this morning it's like something clicked in your heart and you're like, that's what's been going on. The grace and the forgiveness of God has been pursuing me, has been coming after me. And this morning you would say, man, Pastor Jason, I need a savior. The biggest thing wrong with me is what's going on in my heart. I'm like the paralyzed man. There's sin in my heart. There's something going on. There's disobedience there. And this morning, I just, I need forgiveness. I need the aggressive grace of God to come into my life. I I would like to pray with you. If that's you this morning, and this is why I ask people to bow heads and close eyes. I want it. I want you to be able to make this decision privately. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand right now and you just say, Man, Pastor, I need the grace of God this morning. I need forgiveness for my sins. Thank you. There's a bunch of hands going up. I need forgiveness for my sins. And and thank God that today the grace of God is pursuing us. It's not waiting on us, but it's pursuing us. Thank you so much. 
And here's my second prayer is this, is some of you, you're here today and, and you would be so bold to say, Pastor, I came today and I thought I knew what I needed. In fact, on my way to church, maybe, maybe I prayed a prayer. God, if you'll just take care of this thing today, oh my goodness, that would fix everything. And you thought you knew what you needed, but this morning you'd be willing to pray a prayer of surrender and you just say, God, get, don't give me what I think I want, but give me, <laughs> give me what you know that I need. How many of you would pray that prayer with me this morning? Raise your hands. Thank you so much. So let's do this. Uh, everyone in the room, I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you don't mind, if you'll repeat this prayer after me, I want to, I want to lead you in this prayer very quickly. And then we'll give it back to Pastor Eric. Everyone in the room, just say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for your aggressive grace. Thank you for pursuing me when I was a far away. <laughs> Lord, this morning, I give you my heart. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. Be king of my life today. Lord, today, don't give me what I think I need, but give me what you know that I need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.